Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be discussing the upcoming new moon on May 30th, 2022, at around 5.46 a.m. Central Time, which we will get into. But first, before we get started, I do like to remind everyone that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. So if you were introduced to astrology in the West, like many of us were, it's likely that you are familiar with your Western astrology sign. If you would like to learn more about the difference between Western and Vedic astrology, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media, and then astrology now. I have a podcast embedded there where you can learn the difference between Western and Vedic astrology. If you would like to calculate your birth chart, go to my website, go to offerings, and then chart to see where the planets were placed astronomically at the moment of your birth. So in sidereal astrology, when we're using this system, we are looking at the exact, precise, astronomical placement of the planets at any given moment in time, okay? And the other little warning I like to give is that I am in Austin, Texas, where it is getting very hot, very fast, and I use Central Standard Time. So sometimes the time is going to be different depending on where you are on the globe. So sitting here in Austin, Texas on a hot spring day, feels like summer, (laughs) but wherever you are, I hope that you are enjoying your day and that you're making some time for yourself to just absorb a little astrology, get in touch with the cosmos. So this is a new moon podcast. I do have some other stuff I'd like to speak about, just other astrological ongoings and things that we're seeing in the media and things of that nature. If you live on earth, you know that things are pretty tense right now. I feel that so much is getting called into question in regards to structure, policy, law. You know, there's so much with violence and anger and aggression. And if you've been following the astrology, you know that this all makes sense. You know, all of this is uh, astrologically evident. If we are looking up in the night sky, it's very clear why all of this is happening. And there's that saying, as above, so below. You know, as energy churns in the cosmos, we feel that energy here on Earth. And in the study of Jyotish, which is Vedic astrology, Jyotish is the science of light. We are studying how those bodies, you know, of light in the ethers impact us here on earth. And we do um, get profound understanding. And so we'll speak more to that towards the end of the podcast. As usual, we kind of do a wrap up at the end with other astrological configurations. Um, But I do want to remind you all that we talked about the summer heating up literally and figuratively. And so we can expect more tension. Mars is currently in the sign of Pisces. And when Mars enters Aries later into the summer, we're going to get even more volatility, even more anger, even more frustration, even more impulsivity. And so again, I do want to talk more uh, at the end of the podcast about lessons to take away from this and how we can conduct ourselves as well as possible through this hot transit. 
So switching gears a little bit and focusing on the new moon. So you all know I love doing new and full moon forecasts. This is what we started off with here on Astrology Now. And yeah, I I think that it's so beautiful to remember the cycles of the moon and to pay attention to the cycles of the moon. We have new and full moons every month. And yet so often they go completely unnoticed when in ancient times, it was impossible to miss when we were outside, when we were sleeping outside, walking around all day, when the moon was full, we noticed. And when the moon was dark, we noticed. And now we kind of have this (laughs) society of luxury and comfort in many ways. And yet we don't know when the moon is full or new unless we're tracking it specifically. And so this cycle on May 30th, it's going to be a new moon. And so the new moon is when the moon is completely dark. And when we are assessing the energy of the moon and the quality of the moon, when the moon is full, this is when the moon is full of light. So there is heightened energy, there's heightened vitality, there's heightened vigor. When the moon is new, which we can expect on the 30th, the moon is dark. The moon is moving towards a more yin quality, meaning it's turning inwards, it's renewing, it's relaxing, it's restoring. So it's more about the conservation of energy, the inward turning, than it is about the outward projection and what we're doing in the outer world or how we're being seen. So what we can expect moving towards this day is maybe a little bit of a lower energy. There may even be some more emotions. <laughs> we may feel like we need more tenderness, more gentleness, and more delicacy. And we also know that the new moon is a time of setting intentions, setting the intention to begin something new. And this new moon is especially auspicious in my opinion. So the new moon is going to be in the sign of Taurus, in the sidereal zodiac, not the Western system. In the sidereal system, the moon is astronomically in the sign of Taurus where it is exalted. The moon loves being in the sign of Taurus. And it allows for the sweetness of emotionality and the ability to really convey thoughts, convey feelings, offer empathy. And Taurus is the sign of luxury and beauty and art, right? Taurus is ruled by Venus. So it's all about creativity and expression. And again, beauty, luxury, indulging the senses enjoyment, enjoying time, enjoying life, enjoying yourself, enjoying others. So when the moon is in Taurus, again, it becomes exalted. And the moon specifically will be in the nakshatra of Rohini. And remember, in Vedic astrology, we break down signs to be even more specific to get a segment of stars. This moon will be in the nakshatra of Rohini. And Rohini is this star that's associated with abundance. It's associated with fulfillment. It's associated with fertility. This is one of the most fertile nakshatras. The deity for Rohini is Brahma, which of course has this association to creativity, right? 
And so Rohini is the origin of creation. And the story itself is actually quite interesting. Rohini was born by Brahma. And Rohini was known as the favorite lunar mansion of the moon. So as the moon moves through the night sky, this nakshatra, this portion of the sky, when the moon passes through it, this is its ultimate favorite place to be, <laughs> which spurred a ton of jealousy and resentment from Rohini's sisters. But that's another story for another time. I just want to paint the picture that Rohini is notorious for her beauty, her allure, her irresistibility. And so again, there is this strong connection to fertility, beauty, luxury, art, creativity, attractiveness, which is going to uh, come back up again here in a second, but favorable activities for the new moon. First of all, setting seeds of intention, figuratively or literally. This is a great time for agriculture, working outside, buying new plants, working with plants. It is a wonderful time for marriage or even romance. If you are single and you are dating, it's a good opportunity. If you are single and wanting to stay single, it's an excellent opportunity to spoil ourselves, indulge a little bit. And this could go, you know, for whoever you are in whatever type of relationship you're in. And if you are in a relationship, it is a wonderful time to spend some extra time with your partner or partners. And again, it's a, it's a good time for romance and also just appreciating nice things, doing something nice, going to get the latte from your favorite place, you know, going the extra five miles west to get the smoothie that you like like it's just a good opportunity to treat yourself to something nice it's like simple and enjoyable it's also a wonderful opportunity for clothes and jewelry buying beautiful things so if you've been needing new clothes if you've been needing new jewelry if you've been needing any type of like textile or even anything for your home as well it is also an excellent opportunity for play and enjoyment with other people. So it could also be hanging out with friends, spending time together, doing something fun and lighthearted. It's a wonderful time for all these things. Just keep in mind that the energy may be kind of low. You all may prefer to pick a spot on the earth and have a picnic and just do something a little bit more low key or something like that. So what else comes to mind with Rohini? I know a few of you who know me well are expecting this is Krishna. And so Lord Krishna is a very popular god in Sanantana Dharma, which is Hinduism. Uh, Sanantana Dharma is eternal Dharma. And Krishna means the most attractive. <laughs> so of course, his moon is going to be in Rohini. Rohini, again, is known for beauty. And if you've heard of the Bhagavad Gita or the Bhagavatam, both of those are books associated to Krishna. Those are uh, books about Krishna and his life and his teachings. And so I was talking to my teacher recently, and he was speaking about the favorite games of the divine. <laughs> and he actually asked me, he's like, what is the favorite game of the divine? And I thought to myself, I was like, it's hide and go seek. But I thought that I was like oversimplifying it. Anyway, the answer ended up being hide and go seek, but I didn't say that. Of course, I embarrassed myself in front of my teacher, but he explains, he's like, no, the favorite game of the divine is hide and go seek. And we've spoken about Purusha and Prakriti. So Purusha is infinite consciousness. Purusha is 
the infinite, again, consciousness that threads through all of life. So Purusha is in all living beings. And it is also infinite. It's timeless. It spans throughout all of existence, all of time. It's unshakable. It doesn't start. It doesn't stop. It always is. When we tune into that silent space within ourselves that seems to have the answers, that's that consciousness. And it's the space that exists even when the physical body dies. Prakriti is that which is created. It's material reality. And so Prakriti is like our physical body. It's like material things that we have. It's the things that change, age, decay, not all pervading, not everlasting. And so my teacher was explaining that the favorite game of the divine is hide and go seek because we're trying to find Purusha in Prakriti. We are trying to find the divinity in every moment of every day with whatever we're encountering. And so how can we find that, you know, on this new moon, can it be a little bit more of a reminder because it's so easy to get pulled out of. It could be something that we're really enjoying. <laughs> like we're at a party, we're having drinks, you know, we're hanging out and we're not thinking about Purusha. We're not thinking about infinite consciousness, but can we tap back in even in those moments? Oh my gosh, I'm a spirit soul. These people are spirit souls. There's such a higher meaning here, you know, or maybe it's when you're on a date, you know, you're on Tinder, you're swiping around, you <laughs> get matched, you go out because you're bored. It's like this person is a spirit soul. This person is on their own karmic journey. Can we view them with that lens? You know, can we avoid objectifying? Can we avoid only focusing on them to fulfill some sort of expectation or need? Can we tap in to that higher essence? Maybe it's something that we really just don't like. Maybe we're being forced to do something. We have to go to some lecture for school. We're unmotivated. We don't want to do it. Can we find the Purusha? Can we find the higher meaning? Can we stay connected to that space? The favorite game of the divine is hide and go seek. <laughs> so remember that <laughs> for if you're lucky enough to have a teacher ask you that, <laughs> you won't blow it like I did. Um, and so, yeah, so can we keep that in mind as we're moving towards the new moon? Can we find the sanctity and the beauty and the purity and the compassion? Can we scale out and see beyond ourself, our own property of this finite body of this, you know, moment in time, this identity? <laughs> we get so wrapped up sometimes in things that are happening in our personal life. But then when we scale out and we see the grand scheme of things and we tap into that concept of Purusha, the way we see things really begins to shift and change. So can we use that as a reminder to not get so caught up in ourself, in our own limited perspective, in our own belief of what is true? And can we scale out to get a broader perspective, broader idea? When we scale out to get a broader perspective and a broader idea, that's when we really start having the truth revealed to us. When we stay locked in on our own personal truths and our own personal idea of the way that things should be, that's when we really limit ourselves and our potential. 
So again, hopefully this can be a reminder. Perhaps every time the moon moves through Rohini, we can be reminded. And I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope that you enjoyed the little story. So getting into other astrological ongoings, there has been so much going on globally. There's been so much going on and I feel like everyone has like emotional whiplash from it. And so I don't want to focus on it too much just because I know you all get inundated with the news. So we're going to try to focus on the astrology and I'll kind of um, allude to different feelings and uh, emotions that we may be experiencing without necessarily focusing on the events themselves today. So first of all, just to recap, we have been in Mercury retrograde, which means everything involving Mercury has been getting skewed. Mercury is the planet of our cognitive processing, our ability to rationalize. And Mercury is also the planet of communication and technology, anything with a technological advancement. It could also be transportation, so like vehicles or planes. And so... There may have been some travel disturbances, there may be some communication disturbances or technology lapses that you've experienced. And so that will all get so much better beginning on, let's see, it should be June 3rd. Keep in mind, there's usually a little bit of a shadow period with the retrograde. So you may be feeling it even a few days after Mercury goes direct, but it should be getting a little bit better after that. I do want to discuss this transit of Rahu and Aries. And so Rahu and Ketu are the karmic nodes of the moon. That means that wherever they're placed, they bring karmic matters to the surface. It happens in our personal chart. It also happens in a global way. And so Rahu entered Aries, Ketu entered Libra in March of 2022, if we're using the true node system. And this means that the globe is going to be confronted with karma involving matters related to Aries and Libra. And Libra is the sign ruled by Venus. <laughs> and Venus is the planet of diplomacy and harmony and art and luxury and romance, intimacy. Libra is all about the other. It's the scales of justice. So there's this association to justice and Venus is the diplomat, you know, Libra is all about the other. It wants to hear the opinions of others. It wants to harmonize. It wants to be fair. Aries is ruled by Mars, which is more focused on the self. Aries is more about independence, individuality. Mars is all about courage and bravery being heroic, being dynamic, being fierce, but it can also be aggressive, irritable, violent, rageful, cruel. And of course, you know, Aries is the pioneer, it's a leader. So there are, there are beautiful qualities to Aries, there are beautiful qualities to Mars, beautiful qualities to Libra, beautiful qualities to Venus, there's always a dichotomy in everything. We as a globe, again, are experiencing karma in relationship to these issues, obviously. And us on an individual level may be bumping up against these things in our own personal life. And right now, Rahu is also being aspected by Saturn, 
which is really interesting because Rahu, again, it's in Aries. It's about aggression and heat and fire, violence, impulsivity, not thinking things through. You know, while, of course, Mercury is retrograding too, people aren't acting within their right mind. And now there's also this aspect of Saturn. Saturn is an Aquarius, which is all about revolution and change. And Rahu is about revolution too. But we're seeing these acts of control, again, of aggression, of explosiveness, power, you know, struggles happening. And the result is individuals calling for revolution, calling for change. We want to review things. You know, we, we want to look at the laws and things that have been passed and things that have been done from all perspectives. You know, there are people from many different sides and there are people from many different causes. I'm not talking about one in particular. There are many things happening right now. And there are many different opinions surrounding all of them. But what remains constant is that there are people who are upset and there are people who want to revise laws, right? Again, coming from both sides, there are people who want to revise laws in hopes of making something more ethical from their perspective. But then from the other people's perspective, they think that that would take away their freedom and their liberty. So there is infringement on freedom for many different causes right now. And then there are infringements in ethics for many different causes right now. And it's bringing a lot up in regards to the law, in regards to regulation, in regards to personal freedom, which again, Aries is the individual. There's this great connection to individuality and freedom and not wanting to be contained or controlled. Libra is the scales of justice. It's about diplomacy. These things are getting called into question. And so some things to focus on is how to flex the ability to handle our own anger or frustration. How can we turn heat or fiery energy into passion and productivity? How can we utilize it in a healthy way? We're in this age right now where when we get upset, we take to social media and that's like the outlet and we feel better because we feel connected and there's a total time and place for that. I totally get it 100%. And it doesn't really alleviate the feeling, at least for me. And so something to focus on, and I would assume for other people as well, I know there are a lot of people right now who are feeling upset, Something to focus on is how we can channel it in a productive, helpful, and loving way. How can we utilize the feeling of fire, of heat, of frustration? How can we channel that energy to benefit other people? It could be in a tiny way. It could be in a large way. It could be people, planet, animals. How can we take action? How can we control our impulses? <laughs> that was the final thing I wrote in social media is how can we learn to control our impulsive behavior? Because that's what Aries is all about. And so you could be listening to this and you may not even be paying attention to the news. You may not know what I'm talking about. You may not have an interest. And that's, again, I mean, do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. I've worked as a social worker. There was a long period of time where I didn't pay attention to the news. 
um, to preserve my sanity. And so if that's you, then notice if there are feelings of heat or fire or passion or anger that are coming up, how can you, again, utilize it for the better? How can you um, channel it into a new hobby, into exercising, into learning nonviolent communication? And impulse control for all of us. I think that, again, with technology, we don't really have as much patience as we used to things come a lot faster they happen a lot quicker we ourselves can be more impulsive and do things more quickly this is an excellent time to practice impulse control (laughs) and I mean paying attention to Venus how can we be more diplomatic that's that's the stunner right and that's the interesting thing right now Venus is in Aries with Uranus and Rahu how can we be more diplomatic How can we think about the future? How can we imagine a future in a way that promotes the most peace, the most harmony, the most compassion? How can we really listen to the perception of others? Really, you know, how can we really open our heart and be open and receptive to varying opinions? As I mentioned earlier, when we scale out, that's when the truth comes in. I'm not saying that there's not truth when we're zoomed in. I'm just saying when we scale out, we can get even more of an idea of of what's happening in reality because our our limited paradigm, our limited perspective cannot convey the truth entirely. A snippet, (laughs) a snippet of truth in the grand scheme. And so Venus is going to be in Aries for the next month. Venus just entered Aries and it's going to be here for a little while. And so I do think that we'll continue to see these issues with diplomacy. I think that we'll continue to see impulsivity and anger. And I think that we'll see calls for diplomacy. I think that we'll be seeing people trying to make peace. But I just see, again, more um, heat and passion. And remember that Venus does involve women, so we may continue to see issues in relationship to women, women's related issues, fertility, Venus's fertility, um, fertility issues as well. And, you know, Venus with Uranus and Rahu, it's Venus, when Venus moves into the later degrees and it becomes sandwiched between Uranus and Rahu, that is going to be a really intense period of time into June and then after that Mars is going to enter Aries right and so when Mars enters Aries in the summer that's going to be a time to really pay attention and to really be extra mindful because we will definitely see heat and and passion during this time period I want to mention Venus is the dispositor of Libra so K2 is currently in Libra Rahu is currently in Aries. That means whatever Mars is doing, whatever Venus is doing, that is going to give us a lot of insight into what's happening karmically because those are the rulers of the karmic nodes right now. So Venus being in Aries, you know, we're being taught lessons again around diplomacy, how to appropriately handle hot feelings, how to appropriately handle frustration or irritability, rather it be with our kids or our loved ones, our bosses, you know, social justice movements, whatever it may be. 
And I also want to say that Venus is relationships. <laughs> so be extra mindful in partnerships. Um, there could be some spiciness with significant others. There could be some sort of confrontation, perhaps, but it could also be incredibly passionate and exciting. So for those of you who are already in relationships, it could be a very you know, exciting time of reigniting passion. That's fun and exciting. And if you are not in a relationship already, just really make sure to vet your partners. Try not to rush into anything. Sometimes when Venus is in Aries, we can be really impulsive and rush into things without appropriately, you know, learning what we're getting ourselves into. So please be extra mindful with dating. Make sure and really take your time to know who someone is before committing or anything like that, okay? Otherwise, just enjoy the excitement, work on uh, nonviolent communication. <laughs> and um, I know that I had mentioned this Mars and Pisces, it might be difficult. You know, Mars and Pisces, it's it's throwing a warrior into the ocean. It, um, it's, it's difficult. Mars and Jupiter are moving through difficult portions of Pisces. I know that we've had this conversation before that Pisces has some challenging nakshatras in it. And so we are... Um, unfortunately experiencing a lot of that and on top of that we do have Saturn aspecting Rahu so Saturn and Rahu are they are creating this Papakatari with Mars and Jupiter so Mars and Jupiter are kind of getting swallowed by malefics so to speak and I know that we've discussed this with Jupiter being Papakatari but Mars is also Papakatari right now. So there is this malefic influence. And Saturn is aspecting Rahu, which I remember talking about. It can create a very combustible, explosive, revolutionary energy. And when Saturn is looking at Aries, Saturn is debilitated in Aries. So that aspect creates that same energy. Imagine that. Imagine Rahu and Aries being aspected by Saturn where it's debilitated. It's combustible. And at its lowest functioning, it's going to result in someone being violent. You know, someone potentially being cruel, someone being aggressive, especially again with Mars in the placement that it is right now. At its higher functioning, it's people being revolutionary, joining forces, you know, standing up for what they believe in, standing up for what is right, demanding freedom, demanding personal autonomy, and how they perceive it, right? Saturn will retrograde on June 5th. So that's something to prepare for. It's coming up and we can talk more about it in the uh, June horoscope. And so Saturn retrograde, remember that Saturn retrograde really impacts the structure of our system. Saturn and Jupiter are social planets, culture, society, the globe. It affects us on a personal level too, but they're social planets. Saturn will influence, again, the structures of the government. Currently, it's in the sign of Aquarius, power to the people, <laughs> humanity, revolution. It's moving back into Capricorn where it was for two and a half years. Capricorn is more of the old way. Capricorn has more of this um, controlling element to it also. 
So we can expect some changes. And in that period of time, again, as Saturn is retrograding, it's reviewing, revising, reanalyzing matters associated to Saturn. I mean, aside from the obvious in terms of government structures, government policies, things that uphold our system. The structures are being called to question. And this is happening all around the globe. Government systems are being called into question. People are questioning leaders. And things are being revealed. You know, corruption is being revealed. Things about uh, structures and society, things that have been going on for so long, but have been kept under the rug, they're coming out. It's so interesting. And a lot of it is coming out because of people. Regular, everyday people are on social media and they are revealing truths that would not have been illuminated had there not been a platform for them to speak. It's very, very interesting to watch. But again, Aquarius is that type of energy. So again, Saturn will enter Aquarius once more in January of 2023, where it will stay there for about two years, I believe. But before then, we're going to work with Saturn and Capricorn, <laughs> where it's, it's going to feel like a grind. It's going to feel hard. It's going to feel like pressure. It's going to feel like stress. And so the rest of 2022, honestly, it's just like, again, the best thing we can do is stay connected to that concept of hide and seek. And we need to stay connected to the karmic significance of Aries, of Rahu and Aries and Ketu and Libra, diplomacy being harmonious, being fair, you know, trying to really embody the mentality of a judge, which is as neutral as possible. Imagine that. Imagine being as neutral as possible with no bias. And then, of course, channeling the higher qualities of Rahu and Aries. How can we really utilize anger, aggression, irritation to our benefit, to benefit other people? How can we turn those feelings into something productive, into something protective and loving and sincere? How could we innovate? You know, how could we create something new, create new options? And of course, how can we better ourselves? Because Aries is the individual. How can we channel this energy to better ourselves, to improve ourselves in some way? And how can we take action? That's my biggest thing. For me, so much of my misery and so much of my suffering happens when there's something that I really care about and I'm not doing anything to stop it. So I've learned very early that living in alignment with integrity, that's a way for me to alleviate my own suffering. If there is something that I believe in, I have to act in accordance to that. If I, you know, if I care about animals, I have to do my best to care for them. I have to do my best to protect them. If I care about having a green planet, I have to do my best to uphold that. I have to do my best to care for the planet, not littering, you know, trying to recycle properly, <laughs> trying to conserve water, trying to conserve electricity, just doing my best, you know. When it comes to people, if I, if I love people and I love humanity, then I have to act in a way that's loving and compassionate. And so if there are things that you love and if there's something that you feel is unjust or you feel that is unfair, what can you do to take action? 
in a small way. It doesn't even have to be a big way. And I want to share this with you all and then we'll hop off. When I was a social worker, I worked with a few different agencies, but the longest agency or the agency I was at the longest, I was working with people from all over the world. And because I was working with people from all over the world, I would hear about the politics all over the world. You know, people would tell me about the politics in Congo. People would tell me about the politics in Iraq or, um, you know, different places either in the Middle East or in Asia or, as I was mentioning, in Africa. And so I'd learn about all these issues going on. And I would be consumed with grief. How, how can I help? What can I do to change things? And I realized that in that moment, in that role, the best thing I could do is give my full undivided attention to each client and do my best to support their journey and to do my best to help them succeed in whatever their goals were. You know, helping them find housing, helping them find jobs, helping them learn English, just doing whatever I need, whatever they wanted, you know, acting to serve them. And by doing that, I was doing my best to support the evolution of their world. You know, it's like, obviously, they're the ones changing their world, but I'm supporting them. (laughs) I'm doing my best to support them in their life. And sometimes we just don't know. We don't know how big of an impact we have on people. A gesture of kindness, uh, you know, words of support. If you feel something inside of you, like if you're thinking something kind to someone, say it. If you're feeling the urge to give someone five bucks who's, who's, you know, asking for money, do it. Like if there's something inside of you that you feel compelled to do, do it. And again, we don't know how much these small actions will impact someone. And so we may not be able to change everything. We may not be able to save the world. We may not be able to single-handedly dismantle an unjust system, you know, like whatever it is that we're thinking about. But we can make someone's life better. We have that ability. We have the ability to support someone in their life, to support someone in their mission, to protect those who don't have a voice, to be an advocate for kindness, to be an advocate for compassion. We have that power. And it's so much more than we're led to believe. And don't forget the power of the individual. You yourself are an individual. And there have been moments in your life where someone has done something so simple and so small and it's totally changed how you see yourself, what you want to do in life, what you believe you're capable of. You have the ability to create that for someone else. And it's powerful. So don't forget that. Don't forget Purusha. (laughs) Don't forget your own peace of mind. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope it was helpful. If you'd like to schedule a reading with me, you can go to innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings, and then readings. If you'd like to join Patreon and find out how this new moon will impact you personally, it's patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast, and my Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast. Again, my name is Christine. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.